everyone. Thank you for listening to Eat Your Heart Out, the podcast that showcases the very best in local restaurants. I'm your host, Pierre Casongo, and today my guests are from Just Cook Kitchens. They are the Chief Marketing Officer, Mael Piquet, and the Chief Executive Officer, Jennifer Keith. Ladies, welcome to the show. And it's a pleasure to be with you both. Thanks, Pierre. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here as well. Yeah. So, uh, so ladies, just uh, to, starting off the bat, just what started your interest in the food industry? Sure. So, um, uh, this is Jennifer speaking. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, so my my uh, experience in the food industry is that you know, my family owned uh, hospitality related businesses as I grew up and I'm from a, a family of first generation Canadians and um, we we owned it uh, you know we started and owned a number of, of businesses in, in food um, that are in hospitality so a couple of restaurants and supermarkets um, and and travel agency. And I, I saw firsthand how difficult it is for small business owners who don't really have a lot of business acumen um, to, to start uh, these businesses and to run them well and to, to survive. They're, like These small business owners are really doing everything on their own the best they can uh, and not really able to focus on their strengths. So, <clears throat> you know, I saw a ton of work, hard work ethic to, to start up businesses and be entrepreneurial and to to make their businesses thrive um, but I saw that there's there's gaps and and ways that uh, maybe I could I could help the small business community and the food industry specifically by um, utilizing my business acumen and skills to help them so I went into business um, I, I specialized in human resources and then I when I did my MBA I did entrepreneurship and innovation and so really <clears throat> what got me started and interested in startups in the food industry specifically was really relating to uh, innovative ways to utilize under underutilized assets um, in, in our in our economy and in the food industry. And, and what about you, um, Mael? Uh, yeah, so this is Mael speaking. You likely will recognize my voice as I'm from France, so I have a different accent than Jennifer had, does. Um, so unlike Jennifer, my family has um, nothing to do with the food industry, but as I grew up in France, um, there is, I experienced it, I guess, from the customer side of things. So it's like um, a lot of different foods, lots of different um, regional dishes and specialties, I guess, that you, you celebrate all, all the time. Um, but then what um, interested me in Just Cooks and the idea of helping those local businesses is my dad actually owns a small business, nothing to do with food, it's actually plumbing, but um, I've seen on that way the same way that it's hard to have your own business, it requires so much work and a lot of people don't realize that and in a way it's a lot of a lot of small things that eventually adds up to being to make your business successful or unsuccessful and so um, in that way I wanted to help with Just Cook. So my background is in marketing and communication. Uh, that's what I do, that's what I've been to school for and what I do um, for Just Cook 
um, and and yeah, and the idea of trying to help businesses and in this case restaurants bring new concepts and new ideas to market because sometimes there's a lot of chefs actually are able to cook the best food that you'll ever have but they're lacking in some places with uh, the business acumen to make it a success and that's not even going into the cost of things or sometimes just lacking the resources already you are bringing up the fact that there's like the despite the fact that you you enjoy being in in the re restaurant in the in industry you know and you show that obviously there's going to be hurdles that it's not all rosy when it's not when you're getting into this industry like what what would you say are some of the biggest uh, like common type of like like hurdles or type of mis mistakes that you see some people do when they try to get into this type of industry? You know, that's a, that's a great question, Pierre. And, and I think um, <clears throat> we're actually in a unique spot as we're opening up our first location to kind of <laughs> encounter firsthand some of these these hurdles ourselves and um i think there's a number of things like specifically in the food industry um there's a lot of cost uh to starting your your own restaurant and i might mention that a little bit um <clears throat> from you know long-term leases that you need to establish with landlords to the kitchen equipment that you need to um, put together um, the front of house furnishings, uh, cost of staff. Um, there's a ton of, like, it could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for you to, to launch your first restaurant. And, uh, and oftentimes, one of the biggest hurdles is, is actually getting financing. Like, there's not a lot of options for food printers <clears throat> to to uh, access financial resources so that they can actually start their first one. Um, and so that's that's one big thing. I think another one is insurance. Uh, when you are a brand new uh, restaurant without history and track record, um, insurance is difficult to procure because it's a, it's a bit of a high-risk industry with you know liability if someone chokes in your restaurant or if someone has a drink and trips and falls um you know ins insurance can be very difficult to get as well and then i think a, a lot of the, the the hurdles that we're seeing we're trying to address as well is just around all of the other operational decisions that you have to make um to run your restaurant efficiently uh, when you are more focused on, uh, again, a lot of restaurants are started by chefs or want the, the people that want to start restaurants are, are chefs themselves, right? Because they want to be creative with their food. They don't want to work for someone else. They want to be innovative and have their own menu um, and be in control of their space. Um, and what a, what a great dream to have, but not able to, to, to do so um, because of a lot of reasons. And, and I think operationally, there's um, a lot of efficiencies to be gained if you have the right mindset uh, and, and if you work collectively. And that's something that we're trying to do too in bringing our food halls together. We're bringing four or more um, local restaurant concepts into one space. So we give customers variety, but we give shared benefits and collective franchise benefits to, to the chefs that are operating in our space as well. 
I would say to to add to Jennifer's point is also helping from a business perspective a little bit as well because even once you've gone through all these hurdles and you're able to open your restaurant there is a whole bunch of things that you have to think about that is not directly making the food it's like for example pricing your products like yes you need to make sure you recover your cost but you also need to make sure you have to make money on it so how do you price it for example uh, how do you manage people because I mean, let's be honest, Jennifer being in HR, she's a wonderful person to work with people, but not everyone is able to be a, as good for that. Same thing with marketing, not everyone is able to be creative in, a, in how to communicate the ideas. And food, um, I guess, which is good and bad, is like, once you taste great food, you'll remember it forever, but until you take until you taste it, you need to be incentivized to go and try it. And sometimes it's very hard to do. So some of the best dishes are not always the best looking ones too. Absolutely. Right, like for example, like what will make you uh, uh, say, or I don't know, like if you're gonna say, uh, say I don't know, if you're making a filet mignon, what will make you say this dish? Okay, you're saying, we have to, uh, uh, like, for all the ingredients that we've made, we need to price it at this much for, so that we can make a profit off of this, right? Or, or even, uh, for example, if you're looking at a menu, um, I don't know, like maybe, uh, say, um, this, uh, the, the, uh, these items, okay, that we can keep, um, this uh, item, we could say, it has to go because this is the one that's not selling and so forth. Things like that. Yes, and you, you're completely correct with that. So in terms of pricing, the, I guess the easy road, obviously life is always a little more complex than that, but the easy, the easy model to follow is the rule of third so whatever the cost of your food is you multiply it by three and that's basically what you need to be able to ensure you're making profit out of it and what where just cook is actually very special too in even in different from other food halls which are the definition of what we are uh, physically is several restaurants in once those are food halls where we differ is we're actually designing our own technology with data in mind because that's also another thing that a lot of restaurants are some somehow failing or trailing behind is the use of technology to make what what we like to call data-driven decision so it's being able to have to see that whole um ordering process the whole um what customers are buying from you, things like that, and having it from a data perspective that you can aggregate and make decision out of. So that way, as you were saying, if a dish is not selling very well, then do we need? Does that mean we need to modify the dish? Does it mean would it be is it priced the wrong way, for example? Things like that that you can start looking into. A good selling dish is uh, oh great, like I can see that's my best selling. Obviously, I want to keep it on my menu. Um, others is, for example, trying to find new trends. You can look at um, what are people, what have people bought uh, over the past three or six months, and see, for example, oh, I can see that dish is 
uh, vegetarian dishes, for example, are coming up. So maybe I need to create a new vegetarian dish to add to my menu. Those types of things that we we believe with our technology will be able to help the chefs. So you're also the vegetarian around for the latest type of uh, cuisine as well as saying this. This is what's in the end, you know, just keep an eye out on this and so forth. Yeah. 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 And, Definitely. Yeah. And also, you want to back also to an uh, element of uh, management that chefs have to, or actually, or uh, you have to bring it to your team when conducting uh, a restaurant, um, you know, the, the and that would be like uh, the staff, you know, obviously having to uh, you know, conduct your team. You know, being, uh, you know, you know, I was watching some of the videos of, uh, online on your website. Clearly, and uh, from uh, your perspective, like the, uh, having uh, like a really important, supportive team, uh, clearly meant a lot to you to you both yeah yeah so <clears throat> i think like uh, if i may speak candidly about our jessica team i think we're a great team of, of a lot of diverse people um diversity and experience and background and um uh i think what we bring is is a full a full suite of business acumen uh to the to the chefs that are going to partner with us mm -hmm. um on the staffing side, we also want to provide support staff to the whole restaurant. So instead of like, if you think about it, each of these uh, restaurants not being in our food hall, they would need their own set of dishwashing staff, their own set of, you know, bartenders and order coordinators or whatever else that other staff that uh, are needed in the food hall. Um, we have a very strong takeout delivery focus. So we're not only, we're providing um, a set of support staff for all four restaurants at once. And this is again, how we're trying to bring that collective benefit to the to the chefs, um, is, is focusing on making sure they have that supportive staff to run the rest of the restaurant so that they can focus on what, what, what they're best at. And we can focus on what we're good at, which is, you know, um, the business acumen that we've built on the team. Yeah. Um, and, and supplying them with uh, the, the type of expertise that they might not have in-house. Yeah, and you know, with the concept of of, uh, of just cook kitchens, you know, the, the, you said you have like this, uh, it has what, like four parts, right? Four, right? Yeah, four concepts are going to run out of it. Um, yeah, just can you uh, elaborate on that? Uh, like, uh, how is it going to well work, and who came up with that? Um, so the four different concepts. We're, what we're hoping to do, and we we have actually selected the first four for the food hall. We're looking to make sure that there's a complementarity between the uh, different food concepts in the in the food hall. Um, Mel alluded before that there is, um, you know, we're defined as a food hall because of the orientation in which we're doing, but we're very different from normal food halls too. Um, typically, food halls have a very landlord-tenant kind of relationship with uh, with their whoever's renting out their space. We have again because we provide a number of other support services and do things like supply chain help and marketing services help. We're really partnering with the chefs. 
and and we thought you know based on the space that we have which is right across the street from the arena and McEwen downtown Edmonton um, we were able to fit four concepts in there and we're hoping to um, also bring in lots of other local business market goods as well that are complement uh, complementary uh, complementary sorry to to the, the food that's coming out of the food hall through the, the restaurant concept so um, that, that's how it's going to kind of I hope that did that answer your question how that's going to work yeah uh, that's also uh, and mar uh, market uh, that's also uh, a major uh, strategy because you thought about the it seemed to me like you were thinking the arena was uh well with the arena that uh, already you have uh, you're already able to get a lot of uh, traffic not to mention uh, the downtown core of edmonton during uh, lunch hour you already uh, have a lot of you know, the business people that are going to be uh, meeting there. That's going to be uh, like taking out power uh, lunches. Not to mention, you know, there's so many uh, you know, like Edmonton you know, being very active. Well, yeah. you know, like once the, it, it gets uh, really a lot more open, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, like I think. Um you know, we are actually positioned very centrally in some of the most like population dense areas of Edmonton as well. So we'll be able to, you know, service the downtown core, but also Oliver area where there's a lot of residences um, and be able to deliver to those places and uh, be a quick stop uh, away from, from anyone who lives in that area. Now, and I would, sorry, go ahead. Oh, before, um, I was gonna say that I would add that the way we're looking into which uh, places to open those food halls is also very strategic. Is we're trying to find the, find uh, locations that first would allow us to have at least three to four kitchens, uh, because that's the goal of it. Is we don't want to open one restaurant. We have we want to open several restaurants in one. Yeah. In in locations that are. Um, fairly easy to access, whether it's food traffic or to drive by. And moreover, in these times of COVID is having that um, ability to do takeout or delivery too as well. So having like an easy access and easy, um, I guess, short-term parking options. Those are like most of the criteria we're looking for to try to really have the best place we can open it. And, and if I can add to that, like I think uh, our vision is to be the must-eat place in any city that we open up at Jessica Food Hall. So we want to support the local talent that is in that locale, and we want to, you know, really support it in a number of ways. So through the market, through the uh, restaurant concepts themselves, and there's going to be resident um, restaurant concepts that operate six days a week, and then on the seventh day we actually are hosting pop-ups so we're trying to um, find all the chefs out there that have maybe home businesses or they're selling through Instagram or they're not quite ready to make that step to be a full-time operation but want to try their, their concepts out in a safe way um, in, in one of our spots um, and so you know one day a week we will have fresh new concepts coming in uh, trying out their new stuff and, and giving customers something new to try. That sounds amazing. But you know what? A little fun fact that 
I think I, I dug up about you. Um, and I want each one, uh, each of you to explain uh, to this. How did you become the fire starter, Jennifer? Okay, so that actually uh, is a nickname that uh, the the group dubbed for me. Um, I think being CEO and the leader of this company, um, co-founder with my uh, awesome co-founder Luke Butterworth, we're uh, we're we're starting fires. We're we're making things happen, and we're and I'm I'm doing a lot to make things move. And so I think that's where that came from. Is, is uh, I have a, I think I have a lot of passion, and I uh, I want to I want to see um, my life vision realized, which is really to be a um, a positive force of change in the world. And so that's I think where that came from. But but you don't get like fiery Gordon Ramsay like <laughs> it's wrong. Get out, don't they? <laughs> I don't know if we need opposites of that. Like, <laughs> is that one little thing that you need to get your project going? <laughs> yeah. I actually think of it as I like to start fires in other people. So I love to people others. So if there's any way, like I try to connect very deeply with others and, and see, their, see their fire and their passion spark up and, and go wild. <laughs> You didn't season it properly. Oh. <laughs> no, that's not me at all. <laughs> yeah. well, let's hear some days I wish I could bring that out, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've heard about the, uh, well now that we know the origins of the uh, fire star uh, starter. Let's hear about the bistro badass. <laughs> so. Similar story as with Jennifer, it's actually our um, CTO, Spencer Brunner, who came up with all those pet nicknames, uh, which are related to our, po our position in the company, as well as uh, who we are as a, as a person. Um, so being from France, obviously, I've always enjoyed Bistro. I don't know if being French makes me a badass. I like to believe it does, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, it's mostly about knowing, knowing, I guess, the good things in life and making sure I enjoy them. You're making it sound like it's a cooking squad out there. <laughs> well, we're not professional chefs, but I can let you know that everyone on the team loves food. Oh, we actually yeah. have recently created a recipe sharing uh, channel. <laughs> internally so we can share our recipes as we're from all different cultures and things like that so yeah gonna we all love it. to cook and we all love to try new things and uh yeah and that's probably a selfish reason why we started this because we really want to eat good food all the time and we we want to see all the creative food that's going to that can come out of, of places where where you know we're able to enable others so yeah yeah. Food makes people happy. Food helps people be less sad. Food is there when you want to celebrate something. So it's like you need food. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Imagine that. Uh, uh, that the famous, really, a stay. Oh dear, no, uh, your channel being really. 
a filet mignon with a Mexican Zinfandel? <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, my that is a very good representation of me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that is my elf. <laughs> I have been told that I'm, I'm even pickier with my wine or wine pairings than I am with my food. <laughs> Oh, about this. Um, Riesling with a brie. With brie? It can work. It depends on the type of Riesling. Riesling can be, some are dry, so I would go with a drier Riesling to cut oh, the, was, the fat. That was a shot in the dark. I was just going <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's lots of, I mean, pairings can go very wrong. And if you feel like it, if you have a white wine and some lemon or lemon juice in your fridge, try to take a sip of the wine, then bite into the lemon and take another sip and you'll see how different the wine becomes. Okay. And that's why you realize that food, wine and food pairing is so important because it elevates the wine and it elevates the food. And if done in, incorrectly, it actually is a bummer for both. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, and you know, the one th there's one thing that I would not. I obviously could not uh, ignore. You know, obviously, there's the elephant in uh, the room uh, that we cannot uh, ignore. You no, know, I'm like, I'm a, you know, like, as I've in uh, in um, in 2014, I actually started to enjoy uh, going to uh, the independent, uh, like local restaurants, because of a trip that I had in in New Orleans, and you know I started doing uh, the same when I came back to you know, to. Edmonton, and well, the and then the years later, the the obviously the pandemic, and then now, well, we've been impacted by the the pandemic, and you and you've had to be really well, creative and the most the the, the, the the most creative ways. Like, tell us the your stories about like how you be how to be creative. You, the biggest lesson you've learned, um, uh, some struggles, or even some stuff that you miss from before the the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's a tough one, of course. Um, I mean, from the just cook perspective. Uh, in a way, I'm not gonna wish that the pandemic for the pandemic, but it did highlight a lot of the issues that chefs were having, which helped us really craft our business around it and highlights where we can actually help or or alleviate some of those problems. Uh, but we've we've seen so many great innovations in how restaurants have, especially restaurants, because everyone would think that. For example, 
restaurants and tourism would never stop because people always want food, people always want to travel, there's always gonna be here, be it. And and then COVID happened and suddenly you're realizing that yes, even tourism can stop. <laughs> um, and so I definitely miss traveling. I My whole family is in France too, so I haven't been able to see them for a while. Um, I miss being able to go to restaurants, so it's starting to open up again, so I'm very happy about that. Um, grabbing takeout is a great way to help restaurants too, because it's never the exact same thing as being at the restaurant, but it's a lot of restaurants have actually fi figured out a way to slightly modify their dishes or their menus to make it like better to travel or to have like go-to, um, uh, sorry, ready-to-cook things. So it's like the meal is 90% done and you just have to finish it at home, for example. Or it's a kit and you do it yourself with all the ingredients and the chef's recipes. So it's it's a lot of great um, innovations that have happened that we're going to bank on in the future too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree with Mael about that. And I think the pandemic has has really hurt the food industry in a lot of ways and um, highlighted so many of the weaknesses um, of, of the, of, you know, but the fact that lots of restaurants have not been able to weather this is, is a is a highlight of kind of how, how tough it is in this particular industry to survive on the best of days, but then on the worst of days, like it's, it's, it's so rough. and. And so I think, yeah, we're trying to innovate on that and be creative and kind of make our, our business model um, pandemic proof and um, almost like very fortunate that this happened. You know, we, we were actually talking about just just prior to the pandemic really taking effect in March. Like this was early January last uh, of last year. And um, I, uh, I think that what's going to be, what's really interesting is, is how the pandemic has accelerated the growth and innovation in this industry that had kind of become stagnant in some ways. Probably, you know, five years of, of growth and progress within a month to three months, right? Um, so it actually has stimulated creativity in a lot of ways. And I think that's really powerful. Um, and I'm, I'm just so like fortunate to be part of it now. Um, Something I really miss, I think, just like getting together with friends. Like I'm a, I'm a big uh, board game nerd, and <laughs> I love escape rooms and like those types of puzzle games and stuff like that. So I just really miss getting together with people and eating and enjoying and just um, and seeing seeing people. And and uh, I went from a, a job where I'm I'm like not behind like a computer. I'm, I'm you know, in meetings and with people like all the time in human resources, right? To to being kind of stuck in a room by myself. So that was very hard for me to, to transition to. But I think I've adjusted and figured out ways that I can still, you know, play games virtually or to uh, see people see people virtually. But it's not the same. So I, I I for one cannot wait till you know these vaccines are rolled out and, and we're able to gather again. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it's uh, yeah. we can all, we can all uh, only hope that soon uh, like very soon uh we can go back to a time when we're able to be uh, able to enjoy a meal where we can uh, be at the restaurant mm -hmm. rather than just be isolated 
because like you have to think about all the people that uh, are involved in restaurants, you know, the you know, whoever that are the people that are prepared the ingredients, the people, uh, the waiters and uh, wait, you know, waitresses that are serving up you know, the food, uh, whoever is you know, cleaning up the, uh, the restaurants, the wait, you know, the, the bar, the tenders, the and. Uh, and you know, there's, I was, you know, just not too long ago, I was reading this staggering uh, statistics. That it's, it was saying that since the pandemic, there's like uh, uh, close to 800,000 people that have been uh, furloughed or uh, reduced their, either, um, lost their job because of the, the pandemic in the food industry. Yeah, it's tragic. I mean, that's greater than the population of, I think, Surrey. Yeah. And that's that's exactly like the people that we're trying to help too, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole lot of, you know, and, and also the, and there's especially like a whole lot of talented local cooks yeah have so much talent you know, that uh, uh, that are uh, that need to get all the merits all the attention brought up in local restaurants yeah. some are no longer around and they're the places where there, there's so many little memories heck You've probably worked at some places where some you've walked, uh, you've seen some guy that was just nervous as heck who, uh, who made a reservation and they actually told you uh, secretly that they were going to be popping the big one. You've probably got some stories about that. Yeah. I don't know if you do, but. Not yet. Our our location hasn't opened yet. We're opening this spring, okay, but we'll so be on the lookout. So if anyone wants any to come, to just look for it. Restaurants you've worked at, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think um, I think place place like like Mayel was saying that like you know food brings people together, right? And food makes us uh, happy, right? Like, and and it, it, it's this universal experience. Everyone needs to eat. And, and like restaurants provide a platform for new experiences, um, good times, uh, and the fact that you know this pandemic has shaken the industry to its core and kind of eliminated the ability for people to to have those huge milestone things like engagements or weddings and, and everything else like that's that's been something really tough to weather but i think i think we're almost through it so i'm really optimistic personally <laughs> um but you know in in a, in a short time here that yeah. we're going to be able to serve up those types of experiences again and i, I couldn't agree more and, and you know i'm gonna and of course i asked this one million dollar uh, and of course i'm uh, i know that uh, the, the the restaurant is not yet uh, 
open, uh, open yet. Do you know, have an anticipated uh, open uh, date on when the the, the restaurant sh- should open? Yeah. So we're just going through construction right now, and uh, and then. Um, so it really depends on how well everything goes. Uh, fingers crossed, everything goes very smoothly over the next couple months. Um, but I'm think we're we're hoping for a, a mid-June um, opening date at this time. So I don't have an exact date for you. Um, realistically speaking, around mid-June, um, and we're, we're optimistic that things will go very smoothly over the coming months. Okay, and for the uh, you know, people that are interested in just cook kitchens at, uh, that are looking to find you on social media media where where can they find you yeah uh, so we have uh, we are available on Facebook Instagram and Twitter um, at just cook kitchen sometimes with an S sometimes without an S um, Twitter handle character limit kind of put a wrench in that <laughs> Uh, you can also find us on our website justcook.kitchen and that will lead, lead you to everything else. Um, and yeah, and stay tuned for all the exciting announcements to come between, uh, I guess, publicly announcing the different shifts that are going to be part of our first location to the actual opening of the first location. So that's what, those are going to be busy, but finally some fun months after so many months of gloominess because of everything. And the last uh, question that I have, what is the uh, your biggest argument for, uh, for this is for uh, both of you, what is your biggest argument for uh, eating at local restaurants? I would say giving back to the community as simple as that because local restaurants are local people from wherever you you're living um and or sometimes where you grew up things like that and it's it's in a way every dollar that you spend there is a dollar that is used in that community because the restaurant is here here trying to uh to succeed and make the make wherever they're located a little bit of a better place with the food they bring and the second part to that i would say and that's me personally is local restaurant like when you go to a chain for example you you expect the same type of food but if you go to a local restaurant it's always an adventure it's always a new experience and i personally love that discovering new things every time yeah Honestly, uh, ditto to what Miles said. <laughs> I think she covered it all. It's it's important to support local because it is you are supporting your neighbor, <laughs> someone who like the money that you spend goes to the to the person that's living probably a couple you know blocks or a couple minutes from you versus the large conglomerates that are you know national or international. And honestly, I just think local food just tastes better like the the food is creative it's just it just is so much better so that's why i think we should support local giving back to the community and it tastes better listeners you've just heard it from uh, no from 
Naomi Key and Jennifer Keith. With, uh, with that, uh, with that, next time you try, uh, no, go to a restaurant, remember to step outside of your comfort zone, try something new, and, uh, and go ahead, eat your heart out. That's our show. I'd like to thank my uh, guests, my uh, PK and uh, uh, Jennifer Keith. Thank you uh, so much for, uh, for uh, listening. We'll, uh, we'll hear from you next time.